Welcome to the Cybersecurity Simplified Podcast, where we take the mystery out of today's top security threats and solutions. Cybersecurity is designed to stop or mitigate the fallout of cyber attacks. If it sounds like war, that's because it is. Only this one is 24-7 and the enemy is faceless. What we do know is a lot about their tactics. In this episode of Cybersecurity Simplified, we'll go behind enemy lines and take a look at the most common cyber attacks that take down corporate networks. I'm your host, Susanna Song, Director of Communications at Highwire Networks. And I'm Dave Barton, Chief Technology Officer at Highwire Networks. All righty, David, now is your moment to shine and to geek out. What is the most common cyber attack today? Oh, I think the most common, um, I'd like to say there's there's only one, right? Because then our job would be easy. Um, the, the, the truth is, I think there's a couple of vectors. We'll start with ransomware, right? Ransomware is just everywhere. If you read the latest journals, you're going to find healthcare is getting hammered. Um, <clears throat> and healthcare is getting targeted because the value of of the record, the medical record, right? A couple of years ago, I was in a study and I saw that the average price on the black market for a credit card number was a buck, maybe a buck fifty. Right, so you had to have a lot of credit card numbers to make money. Do you have any idea what the the, the price is for a medical record? One record. Just one. Just Susanna's medical record. A hundred. What it's worth. It's 250. 250. So think about the scale. If I'm a bad guy, where am I going to spend my time? If, if, if my intent is to, to resell information, I'm going after medical records, right? And you can and get so a lot at one time. That's it. Well, not just that. They are underfunded from a security perspective, right? Hospitals, medical organizations are very lean in their, in their operating, right? They, they have to be. And so they don't spend as much in protecting the data as they should, which is, you know, I could list you probably 15 different healthcare organizations across the U.S. who've been hit and hacked by ransomware and other bad guys. Ransomware is a great approach because ransomware has evolved as well. And not that I'm advocating ransomware, right? When I said it's a great approach, um, ransomware has evolved. It used to be you know, you would log in and you'd see uh, something on your screen. And one of the first ransomwares, have, have you seen the movie Saw? It's, it's kind of gruesome, but there, there's a, a point where when you're, uh, they, they kidnap you, they tie you up. And then there's a, a, on the screen of a TV pops up this nasty looking skull face, right? And it's Saw and he's telling you, you have to escape, but you have to make some decisions, blah, blah, blah. But one of the first ransomwares had that skull face on it. I've seen those before. Yes. Right. And so when you logged in, it would pop up and say, ha ha ha, I've got all your data in this really nasty looking scary face. And if you'd like to get your data back, pay it, pay us money. Now those guys weren't taking the data. They were just encrypting it. Right. Ransomware today is encrypting it, but it's taking it too. Right. So they've evolved They're They aren't just saying, pay us the money and we'll un- unencrypt your data. They're saying, pay us the money. And if you don't, we're going to publish your data. Right? So now they've got more carrot for you and a stick behind it. Pay us or we're going to hammer you. And that's where, you know, when, when I think about what's 
the most wanted is is ransomware. Ransomware is number one. Um, you know, I think. Go ahead. About ransomware. So, just some basic questions that I've always had. Um, I haven't studied much about ransomware. I've never worked for a company that's been a victim of ransomware. I've read in the paper. Do the hackers actually give the data back? Are they truthful after they get their money? Sometimes yes, sometimes no. You know, I think most law enforcement cyber people will tell you don't pay, right? Because you're reinforcing bad behavior. On the flip side, you know, there was a hospital in the last two weeks that is now doing everything on paper. All their patient records, everything. They went from fully electronic, integrated, right? Bedside charting, all that electronically to paper. Because Because of ransomware. Mm -hmm. Because of ransomware. Ransomware locked up all their systems. They had to turn away ER patients, right? People in ambulances headed to the ER had to be diverted to other ERs that could actually take them and admit them. Yeah, and how does a hospital even function when you're on paper and pen now? They don't scale. It doesn't scale, right? So I think to answer your question, the bad guys sometimes give it back. Um, But in a lot of the cases like that, you're almost forced to pay the ransomware so you can get back to business as usual. The the downside of that, and and this is why why the law enforcement will tell you don't pay, is because they got in once, right? So Susanna, you're ransomware. You hold me ransom, I pay you. But I don't fix the underlying root cause of how you got in. Because a lot of cases, I don't know how, because rewind to two episodes ago, I don't have the visibility. I don't have the tools that show me that you came in here and then you did this and then you did this and it led to you getting access. I don't have that. So if I don't fix how you got in, someone else may come in and now I've got to pay ransomware again. So, Are there tools that that um, a business can have that would... Sh- show there would be visibility on how someone got in? Yes. Um, there's a lot of different tools. I think the, one of the most important is to start focusing on behavior. And what I mean is every ransomware or, or a hack has a user account or a system account associated with that behavior. So if I'm, ha- you know, Mr. Robot, right? We talked about that a couple episodes ago. If you watch that, they're using credentials of something to take advantage of a weakness somewhere else. If you're using behavior to monitor that, and when you see those anomalies, right? And here's where the math comes in. If, in for example, I live in, in Tennessee. It's two o'clock in the afternoon. And I log in from Europe at three o'clock in the afternoon. It's not possible, right? Somebody's using my account. And if I'm watching those behaviors and I've built baselines of what normal looks like for Dave Barton or for Susanna, when our accounts are used to do something different, I can see that, right? So not only accounts, but also processes. Every every server that gets compromised is running a process. Ransomware, uh, when it when it spawns, it does a couple of things. It goes to a server and typically downloads code. Right. And then that code executes. That execution is different. It's never run before. If I'm not watching that, I'm going to miss it. So being able to build behaviors around processes tells me that 
while the ransomware may get in, I'm going to be able to see when it made the change and then start to respond to it. Mm-hmm. So visibility is key, but then being able to derive behavior and anomalies to that visibility is where XDR, where a managed security operations center comes into play. So David, what are some of the newer attacks you've seen and where do they get their names? Yeah. So, you know, I think the challenge there is there's not a lot of new stuff. Um, what, what's interesting, you know, ransomware, for example, um, they will take a piece of ransomware that worked and they'll tweak it a little bit and call it something else. But if you're looking for ransomware, you'll see it anyway. Um, so, you know, there's a ton of different types of ransomwares out there, but at the end of the day, they're all much in the same family of attacks. You know, for example, when I worked for Sprint back in the day, we had this thing called Code Red. Code Red was an attack, and then there was NIMDA, and then there was, which is admin spelled backward, and then there was SQL Slammer. Um, all three of those still work today, right? And this is 18 years ago or more, they're still active on the internet. And why are they active? Because people don't do some of the basic hygiene around systems. They don't patch them, they don't update them. There are still Windows XP and Windows 95 out there. That is remarkable. And the downside of that is those machines are still available, they still get compromised, and they still get used to do other things. Like, you know, be a, a launching point for a ransomware attack on someone else. <laughs> so I wish I could tell you there's there's something new and trendy, but there's not. It's it's a repackaging of all of these other vulnerabilities that we've seen throughout time, and they turn them into ransomware packages, or they turn them into Bitcoin mining packages, or whatever. But at the end of the day, the underlying um, fundamentals are. The systems aren't getting patched. There's poor coding, um, and there's unsupported systems out there still. How are hackers changing their strategy? Uh, in the news for some time, I know at at our company, Highwire, you um, also advised uh, the users not to use TikTok. Great question. Um, and, and some people would argue that all of our social media does that anyway, and there's some truth in that. There's, but there's some differences as well. TikTok, for example, uh, completely owned by a Chinese company, and every company headquartered in China is owned by the state. Right? It, it's it's unequivocal. It's the way it's been, and it's not going to change. They might tell you that's not true, but it is true. And so, the issue that we have is TikTok gives. Um, it's a great little app in terms of little video vignettes, sharing data. Um, But what we can't tell in the, in in the uh, security industry is what else is it doing outside of taking data, right? Facebook takes data. Um, Chrome takes data. Every, every one of our social media, Instagram has data about us and our behaviors. The difference I believe and one of the things that made me nervous is because the source code for TikTok, we don't get the opportunity to inspect, right? So imagine, and I've seen this through the years, software that's got an ability to respond to a third party. So 
here's here's your scenario, right? And this is a nightmare scenario. Someone is using TikTok to inventory people. So they know who you are by looking at all of your behaviors. They they have an idea who you work for, et cetera, et cetera. And now they they pinpoint a target group that they want to go after. Let's say law enforcement. And they push code to that phone. And now that phone becomes a microphone or it becomes a launching point to do other things. Or that app on that phone is gathering data off of that phone that it shouldn't be. We don't have the visibility of the source code of TikTok for our law enforcement, for our uh, information security practitioners in the U.S. to go, yep, this is safe or no, it's not. And because of the underlying fact that the company is owned by China and China has a history of doing cyber, you know, cybersecurity, espionage, that makes all of us nervous. Got is it. TikTok bad? Maybe, maybe not, right? Is it selling different, different, or is it stealing different data than Facebook? Maybe, maybe not. Mm -hmm. But it's, it's a whole risk conversation at that point. And, and sadly, it's been politicized as well. But at the end of the day, the, the fundamentals are still there. It's taking data from us. They're getting behavior on us. Okay, so does Facebook. But they also have the ability to maybe adjust what they're taking outside of the end user license agreement that you and I agree to when we use those applications. Does that make sense? It does. David, any parting words before we wrap up this episode? You know, my, <clears throat> my hope is that anyone who listens to this goes back and thinks about, am I running Windows 95? Am I running XP? Do I have unsupported systems? Because that's a great place to start. Um, if you're not patching, you need to be patching. It's just good hygiene for your systems. In terms of ransomware, if you're not backing up what's important to you, you should expect that when ransomware hits, you're going to be out. And you have to make a decision. Can I survive not being able to bill my customers? Can I, can I survive not being able to sell to my customers? Because when ransomware hits, every critical system that you use is probably not going to be usable, right? So I would hope you start thinking about those things. Um, and then, you know, I think finally, and, and maybe more selfishly, if you don't have a company who's monitoring for you, right? Because most of our mid-market SMB, even smaller enterprises, don't have people watching around the clock. You need someone to help you be that extra set of eyes and ears and even responding at 2 a.m. When, when you can't. Well, David, it's always a pleasure to discuss cybersecurity with you. And thanks to our listeners for joining us. If you have feedback or have any questions, uh, for David or myself, feel free to reach out at marketing at highwirenetworks.com. And be sure to join us for our next episode, Accessories to Cybercrime, also known as Your Team. Until next time, I'm Susanna Song, and I... I'm, and I'm Dave Barton. Don't forget me, Susanna. <laughs> you sure are, Dave Barton. <laughs> and this is Cybersecurity Simplified. From all of us here at Overwatch by Highwire Networks, thank you for listening. We'll catch you next time on the Cybersecurity Simplified podcast. To learn more, visit us at highwirenetworks.com slash podcast.